0: Chapter Eight of The Boy Scouts in the Blue Ridge. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit org Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagan. The Boy Scouts in the Blue Ridge by Herbert Carter. Chapter Eight. Bob confides in the patrol leader what i wanted to tell you about is my father said bob swallowing something that seemed to be sticking in his throat as though the mere mention of the dead parent had the power to affect him so yes Thad said encouragingly wondering at the same time how one who had passed to the other side several years now could have any sort of connection with the mission of the scouts to this region you'll perhaps understand continued bob getting a firmer grip on himself when i mention the fact that my father for a year or so before he was taken had filled the office of united states marshal for this district oh exclaimed tad beginning to see the light now he was induced to take the office by the president himself who was a personal friend of my father the boy went on proudly and having given his word nothing could make him go back up to then we had lived at peace with everybody in the mountains but of course that was bound to come to an end after he had sworn to do his duty which was to send out his agents to destroy all the secret stills and bring in the lawbreakers if they could be found he must soon have had the enmity of old finn and every other moon about Big Smokies," Thad remarked, the other having paused as though to give him a chance to express an opinion. "'This is just what happened,' Bob went on, hurriedly, as having broken the ice, he wanted to get through as speedily as possible, and after he had led several successful raids in person, the mountaineer saw that they had a different man to deal with from the other old marshal. They sent him terrible warnings of what was going to happen to him if he kept up his work. But my father was a quail, and he didn't know the meaning of fear. Were you and your mother living near here all that time, Bob? asked the scoutmaster, because I should have thought she might have been worried for fear some of the desperate men tried to stop your father's work by, say, burning down his home or doing something like that. There were threats made, to that effect, and my father moved his family to Asheville to feel that they would all be safe. Then there came the dreadful day for us, when my father never came back. After he had gone into the mountains to arrest another batch of moonshiners who still had been located, one of the men who had accompanied him told us he had seen him shot down. They were surrounded by bushwhackers, and the rifles were popping all about them, so they had to leave him there. He was surely dead, they claimed, before they fled from the spot, and, of course, they could not burden themselves with his body. Again Bob White paused to gulp down the obstacle in his throat. Now, you are wondering how it happened that when we came to Cranford there was this gentleman with us who was called Mr. Quayle, and supposed to be my father. Well, that was my father's twin brother living in Philadelphia. He kindly offered to stay with my mother, who never goes out at all until we became settled. Her mother, my grandmother, had left me a heap of stock in the banks and mills of Cranford, and it was very unpleasant for my mother down this ways. After father went, she determined to locate up yonder. And does she know about you coming down here? asked lad, as if he feared that the other might have deceived the only parent he had left this bringing a tragedy of grim mountains so close to home that gave them the scout leader considerable thrill for after all despite his courage and grit thad was only a boy bob drew himself up proudly and his black eyes flashed i would sooner cut off my right hand than deceive my mother he said and so you may understand the whole thing I must tell you what a strange longing I've had been hugging into my heart these two years back. It is this: what if, after all, my father was not dead at the time his men saw him fall? What of these moonshiners had kept him a prisoner somewhere in the mountains all this time, meaning to punish him because he had given them so much trouble? That's a stunning shock you've given me, Bob said, thad drawing a long breath, but see here is it just a wild wish to have it so or have you any reason to believe in a thing any foundation for the theory in fact i'll tell you bob went on feverishly a man came to see me one day and said he had been sent by one of the revenues who had been with my father that time to tell me what he had picked up in the mountains there were rumors going around that somewhere deep in the mountains at one of the old stills the Moonshiners kept a prisoner at work. Some said it must be one of the revenue men who had disappeared, and that the Moonshiners were bent on making him work up the mash, a sort of punishment for having done them so much damage when he was an employee of the government. I see, and of course you jumped to the conclusion that it might be your own father, alive and well, though held a prisoner of the Moonshiners. Well, both my mother and myself believed that there might be just a little chance that way. She was in bad health and put it all in my hands. We had never said a word about it to anybody in Cranford. While I have been going to school with the rest of the boys in Cranford, all the time I was in correspondence with one of the government revenue agents and paying him to be on the constant watch for any positive signs. Well, he died six months ago and just when he had begun to think he was getting on a warm scent. I see, said Thad, as Bob paused, overcome with emotion. And ever since then you've been longing to get down here again to find out for yourself if it could be true. Well, I don't blame you for the least bit, Bob, and I only hope that you'll be able to learn the truth, even if it dashes all your hopes. Whatever we can do to help, you can count on us. Scouts have to be like brothers, you know. It's part of our regulations to help anyone in trouble, and that applies stronger than ever when it's a fellow scout." "'Oh, thank you, Thad,' exclaimed the warm-hearted southern lad as he squeezed the hand of his companion almost fiercely. "'I had no right to influence you to come down here. It's a dangerous place. Right now, I ought to beg you and the rest to back out and leave me to fight my battles alone.' But somehow I just can't find the grit to do that. I reckon I'm too selfish. I'm right ashamed of myself. Of course, continued wise Thad. This old moonshiner, Finn Daddy, might still have it in for you as one of the quail family. Oh, as far as that is concerned, I'm not bothering my head. I assure you I just snapped my fingers under his nose. My idea in wanting to keep him from seeing me was along another line. It would be apt to think like father, like son, and that I had hired out to the government to find where his still lay so it could be raided. No man has ever done that. Finn declares they never will. If these mountaineers begin to get bothersome, it might interfere some with the other little affair you spoke about, suggested Thad, as they continued to walk on in company. Oh, that's what I'm afraid of, replied Bob White. But I'm hoping for the best. Some of the others happened to join up about that time and bring the confidential conversation to a close, but surely the young scout leader had plenty to ponder over as he walked on. The hike through the Blue Ridge, which they had looked forward to simply as a test of endurance and to develop their knowledge of woodcraft, threatened to turn into a tragic affair. At least, it was no child's play. And if they came out of it without any serious accidents happening to any of their numbers, they would be deserving of great credit. But if Thad and Bob White were in a serious frame of mind, the same could hardly be said of several other members of the patrol. Giraffe, Stephan, Bumpus seemed to be fairly bubbling over with good humor. Some boys can no more control their spirits than they can their appetites. as usual. Stephan suddenly discovered, while they were halting for a breathing spell, that he was minus something. The evil spirits had evidently been at work again when he was off guard and succeeding in abstracting part of his personal property. It really was a shame how they beset that unlucky fellow. If it doesn't just beat the Dutch what happened to me, he was heard to loudly wail, looking around him in a helpless way what's the matter now stephan asked alan although he knew full well what sort of an answer he must receive they've been and done it some more replied the disturbed scout helplessly the trouble was that whenever he missed something hen always ran around looking in all the places that no sensible person would ever dream of examining when giraffe declared that he was like an old hen with his head cut off it just about fitted the case "'What's gone this time?' continued the boy from Maine, with a smile at the way Stefan was turning over small stones and stirring the leaves with his foot, as if he really expected a miracle to be wrought and to find a bulky object that way. "'That little Kodak I fetched along, you know? I had it wrapped up as carefully in waterproof cloth and, and tied with a top cord. Now it's gone. Needn't spring that old story on me and say I was careless.' Perhaps i have been a few times but right now i'm dead sure the fault isn't mine somebody's playing a joke on me mind i ain't mentioning no names but i got my suspicion he looked hard at giraffe and the accusation could hardly have been given in plainer language than that but giraffe was used to being unjustly accused though there were occasions when he did seize upon a golden opportunity to hide something belonging to his comrade because it had been left carelessly around and giraffe believed it part of his duty to break the other of such shiftless habits but on this occasion he held up both hands declaring solemnly i give you my word for it i never touched any camera this time either you've been and dropped it on the road or else the gold dust winds have nabbed it on you just then bumpus who had been wandering aimlessly about after drinking the cooling waters of the little spring that had been the main cause of this temporary halt in the march, gave utterance to a loud exclamation. He had tripped over something that lay in the grass, and a splash announced that, with his usual hard luck, the fat boy had managed to go headlong into the spring. Scrambling out with the water streaming from his red face, he turned indignantly on the balance of the patrol now convulsed with laughter. What sort of horse-play did you call that, i like to know," he sputtered, trying to wipe his streaming face with a handkerchief that looked far too small for the task. Can't a feller just stroll around camp without some silly putting out a foot and tripping him up? Tell me that, now. I'm beginning to think we must have some sort of hoodoo along with us, remarked Smithy. All sorts of things have been happening and in the most mysterious way possible. We all know there isn't a single fellow anywhere near Bumpus when he pitched forward. Yet he says somebody put out a foot, and he tripped over it. I think it's a remarkable phenomenon for a fact and worth investigating. Well, something did trip me, and that's sure, grumbled Bumpus, possibly thinking he had been too sweeping in his accusations you look at that bunch of grass and find out if the little evil spirit that's playing all these pranks on you is lying there," suggested Thad, with a twinkle in his eye, as though he could give a pretty shrewd guess what the result of said exploration would turn out to be. So Bumpus, always willing to oblige, especially since his own curiosity must have been aroused, proceeded forthwith to get down on his hands and knees and began an examination of the tangle in question. Half a minute later he gave out a loud cry. At the same time he was seen to hold up some strange black object. Look, Bumpus has caught his little evil genius, cried Giraffe. And it ain't hard-looking subject, though. Caught him right by the ankle and threw him straight into our spring. <laughs> We're lucky we had all drink we wanted before he started wash there. It ain't my Kodak ejaculated step faintly as though it shocked him to think how his lost camera should have been lying there all in that tangle of grass where it had undoubtedly fallen as he prepared to take his turn bending over the waterhole of course everybody laughed for they could guess what had happened step hen's little failings were an everyday occurrence as giraffe had often declared the careless one would have long since lost his head if had not a kind nature secured it to his body. The march was resumed, with Thad lecturing Stefan on his prevailing thin, and as usual Stefan solemnly promised to be more careful the next time. But he had a very slippery mind, and the chances were that before nightfall he would be up to his old tricks again, accusing the rest of playing a prank by hiding some of his possessions there's a man sitting on that rock up there watching us said davy jones in a tone that thrilled them all a regular mountaineer too added smithy just as i have pictured them often with butternut jean trousers a ragged woolen shirt open at the neck and an old hat on his frowsy head boys he seems to have a gun in his possession too they were a little uneasy as they passed along but the lone man seemed to simply watch the squad of uniformed scouts without making any hostile move. "'Chances are,' remarked Davy Jones, after they lost sight of the man, he had some sort of vedette or sentry posted up there to keep an eye on the trail, and if any suspicious characters came along, to send word to the other moonshiners. "'You know, I understand they can telegraph all right without the aid of instruments, or even the latest wireless outfit how about that bob yes it is so replied the southern boy they do it by making smoke or sometimes by sounds that are passed along from one station to another it's queer how fast a message can be relayed that way well remarked thad that's the method used by the blacks in africa and they do say they could send news of a battle faster than white men can get it along by relays of telegraph stations, with brakes where a carrier has to be used. Are we getting anywhere close to the place you said old Reuben lived at, Bob? asked Bumpus, who was showing signs of being tired. Oh, another hour would take us to where we can look across this wonderful little valley and we'd see the place, Bob answered. You will all will be surprised, for nobody would ever think so fine a house could be found among these wild mountains. But as I told you before, Reuben Spark seems never to have been molested by the Moonshiners. Most people believe he is a secret partner in the business. Say, would you look yonder, where the road comes around that spur back of us, to think of seeing a real buggy and a flesh-and-blood horse? and the back of the animal a gentleman and a lady i'm sure dreaming remarked giraffe not a bit of it you ain't because i see them myself added Stepan eagerly and unless my eyes deceive me we've met that gentleman before said alan yes remarked bob with trembling voice it's reuben sparks and that must be my little cousin bertha end of chapter eight Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagin